as these words from scripture are read, may it be as if the heavens are opening and we see your spirit descending on us like a dove, revealing your love for us, your daughters and sons. Amen. James Mays was a Presbyterian seminary professor and psalm scholar Betty and I met in Montreat some years ago. He wrote that Psalm 29, which we'll read in a moment, is an Old Testament doxology in praise of the Lord as sovereign of the universe. Now later on this morning, we will sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, etc. Now you might say the theme of the doxology we sing is calling all creatures above and here below to praise God from whom all blessings flow. For Psalm 29, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are the themes. In fact, Dr. May says that this psalm is the only text in the Old Testament in which the glory of the Lord is so extensively and directly said to be manifested in what, what we moderns call natural phenomena. Now the first word used in this psalm is used three times in the first three lines. Ascribe. Ascribe to the Lord means give to the Lord. But it's stronger than that. You know, I've talked about my, my Facebook friend, Rolf Jacobson, sometimes. He writes that to describe glory and strength to the name of the Lord is to acknowledge that the glory and strength belong only to the Lord and to no one else, none other. So listen now for God's word for us in the 29th Psalm. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the glory of the God of glory thunders the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kaddish. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Now let us turn to another passage that also speaks of open heavens, of the voice of the Lord, and of water imagery as we read Matthew's account of the baptism of Jesus, reading from the third chapter of Matthew, starting at the 13th verse. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, 
Just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One Sunday night, a few years ago, Beha went over to Wake Medical Center to pray and wait with a worried family. Now, when the patient's mother had a turn visiting him, his stepfather got to talking about the awesome power of nature. He said something to the fact that if you ever want to be humbled, if you ever want to feel how small and powerless you really are, how little control you have, just go down to the ocean and wade out into the water where the waves are breaking on your chest and see just how strong you are compared to nature. He was right. The power of rolling waves of water pushing you, pounding you off your feet, shoving you to shore, that irresistible motion is awesome. The 29th Psalm uses images of nature's awesome power not to remind us how small we are, how weak we are, but how great God is, how powerful God is. This psalm describes God being made evident in nature's power. The psalm is a forceful hymn of praise that shows God to be both revealed in and powerful over the violent turbulence of nature. The first two verses call on the heavenly host, that is the angels, right, to give glory to the Lord. And then the next verses, 3 through 10 or so, describe how the Lord appears using images of lightning and thunder and a violent storm. Then the last verse, the number 11, is, is a prayer calling on God to bless the people with strength and peace. Now, if you were following along in your Bible as I read Psalm 29, you may have seen a little note on verse 9. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl. Well, there's an alternative translation of the Hebrew that would read, not causes the oaks to whirl, but the voice of the Lord causes the deer to calve. Now, my study Bible notes that ancients believe that thunderstorms can induce labor. Well, it's not just the ancients. Now, maybe our churches Deer hunters know, uh, but I don't, about deer calving. But I guarantee you the next time North Carolina has a big hurricane coming in, if you listen closely to the team coverage, as they always say, of the storm, you are likely to hear that hurricanes are thought to induce pregnant women to deliver. Now, I know nurses make up a fifth of our congregation. And I know they know a lot more about birthing babies. You remember Gone with the Wind? Birthing babies. They know more about birthing babies than I do. But I have to tell you, I did a little research and I found there really are studies that support 
that theory. And it's not just because, you know, storm's coming, I better, I'm very afraid I better go to the hospital just in case. But they're not counting those. They're counting the people that actually went into labor at a higher rate near the storm. Well, whether the correct translation has something to do with tree bark or deer calving, we know the result. All of God's temple shouts, glory. And my friend Rolf writes that the exclamation glory is both a recognition that God has come, that the God of glory is now present, and at the same time recognition that true glory, true worship, obedience, discipleship, belong to God alone. I've read that the ancient rabbis noticed that 18 times the word Yahweh, the Hebrew word for the Lord, happens in this psalm. And so they use that as the basis for 18 benedictions they use in synagogue worship and in private devotions. Another term, the voice of the Lord, is used seven times in this psalm. It's repeated to focus our attention. The voice of the Lord is referred to seven times, but God's not quoted. God doesn't speak, at least not in words, here. If you look at it, only humans speak in this psalm, and they say just one word, glory. Well, you might wonder, what does this have to do with the baptism of our Lord and all that Matthew passage? Well, there are at least three connections between the 29th Psalm and our gospel text about the baptism of Jesus. First, there's that element of water, which is significant and symbolic throughout the Bible. At the dawn of creation, God's Spirit swept across the swirling of the deep at creation. In the days of Noah, God washed away the evil from the face of the earth. In the time of Moses, God had the people, led the people through the surging sea to freedom. By the rivers of Babylon, God heard the people's cry and brought them home at last. And finally, in the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with God's Spirit. So first, there's the element the water element connection. And the second connection is theophany. That is, God made manifest. God is not a far off, living in a distant galaxy or something, but God dwells with us and in us to lead us, to heal us, to save us. And third, there's the voice of God. It's like thunder in the psalm, but like a dove in the gospel. Remember that at the end of our reading from Matthew, the Spirit of God descended, not as a dove, but like a dove, and alighted on Jesus, announcing God's Son, our Savior. Now, neither Psalm 29 nor Matthew's account of the baptism of Jesus, neither one of these passages, it doesn't call us to be somehow a participant of those events. They do call us to hear it, to affirm it, to live it, to hear what they say, to affirm what we've heard, and to live in the certainty of, of what we have affirmed. So on this day, when we remember the baptism of Jesus and when we come to the table to celebrate Holy Communion, let me ask you a question. You've heard the good news of the gospel proclaimed. 
Jesus Christ was born and baptized, crucified and resurrected, ascended to heaven and is coming again in glory. In a moment, I'll ask you to stand with me and affirm your faith. But when you leave this place, when you go to your home and day by day as you venture out into the great world, how will you live your faith? Thanks be to God. You and I, we are witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of God in glory, and who sends the Holy Spirit to us to empower us for service in his name. Now may the grace of God the Father bless you with peace. May the love of Jesus Christ sustain you in joy. And may the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with courage this day and forevermore.